Hello, 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 and welcome to the Press the Action Button podcast, where one squall, Leon Hart, and one Norg, all capitals, talk about video games. My name is Newman. My name is Yusuf. <laughs> A.K.A. Norg. I'm not Norg. <laughs> you are. How are you? <laughs> calling yourself Squall. <laughs> well, I was thinking, I'm not calling myself Squall. I'm just saying one of us is. I've never revealed who is which one. You said, you said AKA Nord for me 10 seconds ago. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm definitely not Squall, but um, I was just trying to, you know, contrast someone cool with Norg. <laughs> you just wanted to call me Norg, basically. Exactly. All caps. Don't forget all capitals. This is also immediately very alienating to somebody who has never played this game. Yeah. And the game is? Final Fantasy VIII. Yes. The you know, arguably, and I don't know who I'm arguing with because it's my opinion, <laughs> my favorite game, arguably. Really? I didn't think that you would. I mean, I absolutely love this game. I know you do too. But I didn't think there was ever even a debate that this would be your favorite game or not. Why, you think 7 would be my favorite? Yeah. It's between the two. Uh, years ago, it was 7. But as time's gone on and I've grown older, I think probably, I don't know, it's really a closely run thing. Right. I mean, at times I like 7 more, at times I like 8 more. I much prefer the music to eight, to be honest. I know you disagree with me, but I, I do think it's better. Um, yeah. But anyway, I love this. Absolutely love this game. Yeah. So um, it's, hopefully it'll be a, a nice one to talk about because it's a game that we will absolutely adore. And I think it's probably fair to say Final Fantasy games are the reason that we even do this. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I, I still remember the first PlayStation game I ever got was um, I got a bundle. I got uh, Final Fantasy Seven and Tomb Raider 2. Yeah, and that kind of I mean we always did play like Mega Drive and SNES games and all but we probably didn't become real gamers until Final Fantasy 7 yeah it, it became way more of a an interest that you want to chase when we got to PlayStation yeah um, exactly and I, I remember when you were getting a PlayStation for Christmas I remember talking to mom about it when I was I don't know 6 or 7 and I didn't know what a PlayStation was and in my head I pictured like a giant inflatable kind of set for like kids to play in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember um, Andy was talking with our cousin Andy before, I think, uh, when they were going to get it for Christmas. That was the exact same thing in my head, like, you know, slides and, you know, yeah, all, yeah. This kind of, all this kind of stuff. But um, no, and, uh, it's was, much better than that. <laughs> yeah, I was really disappointed when you put the little box. I was like, oh, and then it's like, actually, I would much rather this than, uh, you know, than a play set. <laughs> Yeah, no, there was something about that game. And I remember, like, I, I read nothing about it, knew nothing about it. But I remember, like, uh, there was something something pulled me towards it. I mean, I remember, that was, I still remember going down the elevator in the first reactor and Squall, or not, uh, Cloud walks into Barrett. I was like, what, what, what's going on here? You know, and the graphics were really poor compared to, like, you know, um, Tomb Raider and other, other kind of more modern games. You know, the, 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 the sprites, I should say. Yeah. But there was just something about it. You know, the music, the atmosphere, you know, unbelievable. Yeah. Well, we're not talking about that game at the moment. We're talking about no. it. <laughs> yeah, and we, sh- we shall get into that. Yeah. But um, yeah, should we get to news? Yeah, well, before we get to news, I'm going to talk to you about some games I've been playing. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. So I've been spending a lot of this week playing Genshin Impact. <laughs> Have you? Yeah. Have you spent any money on it? No, not a cent. And I refuse. All right. Um, because I thought, look, I should give it a go. I should get my, I should, you know, make my own mind up about something and see how it plays and also see what the story is. Because as of, mm-hmm. I think within the first few days, it had 17 million downloads on mobile. Wow. 
mobile alone. And then I think in the first two weeks, like a hundred million dollars people spent on it on a completely free game. Like if you wanted a hundred million dollars in two weeks. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, if you have we have to make a freemium game, Yusuf. Well, (laughs) this is the thing. This game is massive. Mm. I've never like the only other time I've really had one of these similar kind of games has been on a mobile game. Is when you know I first kind of got an iPhone and you're like, oh, a free mobile rpg i'll see what this is like and you can do like the first five ten minutes of it and then suddenly the enemies scale 20 times and you just have to either grind and grind for hours or you know spend money on it so that's the only other time i've played a game like this this is massive and it's really good oh really it's really really good it is so it's the cross between uh breath of the wild and uh, a kind of JRPG. To me, it looks like a Tales of game because it's that anime style. Yeah. And it, it does this thing where I never really thought about how good it is of combining the freedom of a Breath of the Wild kind of adventure game where you can climb anything. And the idea of getting that with an RPG where you walk into... Because, I mean, you can climb and you can do everything outside and that's very Breath of the Wild. But they've kind of got way bigger cities here and towns that you would find in a normal JRPG which you don't have in Breath of the Wild. And being able to just run up and then climb up something and then climb over onto the roof of something and have that level of freedom that you don't normally get in JRPGs. Usually they're quite rigid where you can and can't go. And you don't think, mm. why can't I jump down the steps? Why can't I climb up the side of it and just scale this vertical wall? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it exists in a different way. But having that freedom, I think it's a, I mean, it's a game changer. And I think it's a game changer from what Zelda did, to be fair. Because right. they... They got it working to the best way first because you could do it in, you know, you could climb buildings in Assassin's Creed and everything. But the way Zelda just made it so much fun um, to be able to run up to climb, run up top of a mountain and climb up a tower or something. And they have like this gliding mechanic, which also uh, Genshin Impact has. But having that mixed with a JRPG and the level of detail of, oh, you're in this market town and here's a blacksmith and here's an inn and here's whatever. Having that all combined together, it worked really, really well. Wow. And like it's a mobile game, so it's amazing if it's anything like Breath of the Wild, right? Well, I'm playing it on PS4. Ah, okay, okay, okay. You can also play it on PC. So it was, so I think the 100 million it made, I don't know if that was from what that kind of uh, contained. I know that was only in the first two weeks, but I know it was 17 million downloads on mobile alone. So it's crazy. I don't know how many people got it on other consoles. It's obviously not the same on uh, mobile as, as PS4, is it? Or. Um, I assume it has to be restricted. It probably inhales your battery like something else, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. But I think, yeah, it probably is a little bit restricted. Maybe it's a bit of a slower frame rate. Um, and there's a lot going on in it. There's a, a, so much stuff on the screen. And when I first kind of got into it, I thought they throw so much stuff at you straight away. It was a bit impenetrable. Like they kind of in the first half an hour to an hour, they showed more mechanics in a game mm-hmm. then you would normally get in a jrpg 10 15 hours in like there's a you know the items you equipped and you can upgrade all them and your weapons and your party and the way elements work and your skills and there's a cooking mechanics and everything like that and you know Great. money you spend for some things or units you spend for something else so there's a whole load of stuff but it's really good it really oh. okay I'm, let's try it. go on I haven't reached a difficult point in it yet i haven't reached as in a point where I'm going, oh, I can't get by this or I have to grind to do this in order to kind of get away. And here is my hot take, right? Mm -hmm. I've been playing another game, which I had, which I was able to download for free, 
which was Street Fighter V Champions Edition. Yeah. And to me, that is a bigger piss take and less consumer friendly than Genshin Impact is. Really? Because... But are you sure you just haven't played Genshin Impact enough for you to get hooked and they're going to pull the plug on you soon? I Well, the thing is, I've gotten more enjoyment out of playing Genshin Impact and they give you way more on a completely free game mm. than Street Fighter gives you. Um, and, and then they expect you to do the exact same thing. So basically, I got Street Fighter V, and this is the Champion Edition. Um, and they're doing that kind of online fighter pass, season pass thing that they do where you know you go and you pay money. You pay more money again after you buy the game and you get different kind of levels and characters and stuff like that. So I started off the game and I think you have about six or maybe seven or eight characters and you can see the whole roster and it's massive and you can do this kind of arcade mode where you can pick the different Street Fighters throughout the years and you can play like those ones and not the actual game, but as in you would, the characters who were in that that game, you can play them and you can play like against the six enemies you fight through and stuff. And then you also have like the barrel breaking and then you've got Street Fighter 2 and then it's Bison is the end villain and stuff. And then it goes on through mm. the other ones. I was like, oh, this is cool. So I went on to play it. Uh, okay, I only have these characters. So I guess I unlock them as I play the game. Um, you get currency in the game, which you use to buy the characters. So I was like, okay, mm. that's cool. That's what I like. Fair enough. Give me a challenge. Let me do it. You need 100,000 uh, units to buy a character to unlock a character you get about 2000 for doing a kind of little survival mode thing you can mm. only do that once per character right, right. So in other modes you do other things basically right there's like 30 characters or so you can get throughout the game if you do everything in that game right to unlock uh, to, to unlock the points that you can do in it you could maybe get enough for maybe two three characters Right, okay. And then the rest you do, you do it by like online battles or like these uh, trials that come along, these kind of, you know, different challenges they send out to you, which some of them you have to pay the unit to be able to attempt to do. I'm already fed up with this game just from listening to you talk about it. It like, it took me hours to to be able to unlock one character, right? And it's just doing the same thing again. And I just had to, I unlocked, uh, and and I unlocked it. There's no downloading. So it's locked on the disc. So it's mm. disc locked content, not downloadable yeah. content. Yeah, um, yeah. So I paid whatever amount and then I get Akuma. I'm like, okay, cool. And then I can play some of his things through it. And it's just the grind that they're making. They're making it intentionally unenjoyable for you to be able to play this thing. Whereas... That's Capcom. It is. It is Capcom. And the thing is, I love a lot of Capcom games. I, I used to love Street Fighter games. I love the old Soul Calibur games. I know like the last few weeks, all I've done is complain about Capcom with you know uh, the Resident Evil 3 as well but it's like I used to love these games and I think they're great games and I feel sorry for the game designers and stuff because I'm sure they don't want this I'm sure they're not making it for this stuff in mind I'm sure this is a decision that's been made above their heads you know they don't get a say in it they're just putting loads of time and effort into a character or into Mm. into a background and there's loads in this game that you can unlock but either you won't enjoy unlocking everything or you got to spend money on it Shit. Yeah. I won't be doing that. Whereas I'd like to go, so take the gambling side, just move that out of the way for a second for Genshin Impact. Because I, gen- I generally, I don't think there's a problem with gambling. Gambling legal in Ireland. It's illegal in other places, but they still do it. Mm. I think, look, you, you can gamble a bit if you want to do it. It just needs to be controlled. You need to know what you're doing. You need to be for adults to make that decision. You know what I mean? Because, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. 
So I think if you do have a, an addictive personality or problem with gambling, then I wouldn't recommend Genshin Impact for you because there that thing is there. It's there in the background. If yeah. you are somebody who is from a culture where gambling is a thing and you just don't care about it, you're just not really into it, then I think play Genshin Impact because I think you will get a good enjoyment out of it. Mm. I think if you play Street Fighter, you won't get enjoyment out of it unless you mm. pay for it again. Like, yeah, maybe you'll get a little bit of fun for just playing a bit of the game with uh, Ryu and Ken at the beginning. But if you want to start unlocking other characters and do that thing that I used to love about beat-em-ups, and maybe I'm out of uh, touch with it. Maybe this is what these games are now. They're about playing online and everything. So maybe yeah, you're I'm, a grumpy old shit now like me. Yeah, maybe I am. Maybe the, I'm just out of it. But just for me, the stuff that I got out of Genshin Impact was way more fun, way more hours of it. Really mm. ingenious complex kind of battle systems and stuff maybe i'm going to hit a wall in an hour and i'm going to go this right but i've already had way more fun playing that and the amount of content they get the music is great it looks brilliant there's like full-on voice acting and animations and everything there's like you know the way different enemies fight the way um it looks like it's a huge map and they're going to be making it bigger and bigger and stuff i don't mind them going look, we've given you this huge thing for free to get you in. You need to pay to, you know, to avoid a grind that comes later on because you, it was free. You know what mm. I mean? Yeah, so I yeah, understand yeah. that better because if someone's going to pay 50, 60 quid for this game, you know what I mean? Mm. Then that's a different story. Like, But they give you a huge amount of stuff straight away. So, is the voice acting in English, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's huge. Mm. It's a huge game. So I would, so far I'm enjoying it. Okay, well, well, hopefully next week you might be more into it and you can let us know if they've kind of slapped you in the face. Yeah. To be honest, I haven't played Genshin Impact, um, but the only thing that I don't like about it is the fact that since it's Chinese, I can't say Genshin Impact. <laughs> Thank you for implementing your two cents into this debate. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, there is a little bit of controversy with it. You can't yeah, with type Hong Kong or Taiwan. Oh, they ban you, is it? It's censored. What do you mean you can't type? Can't type it. Oh, type. Oh, okay, okay. Right, okay. Yeah, That's, uh, they show up with yeah. asterisks. Good old China with its, uh, you know, draconian uh, censorship, censorship laws. It's, uh, yeah, so it's a bit, so it does have that kind of side of, uh, side of it that is uh, definitely uncomfortable. Mm, okay so what about you have you played anything this week i haven't played much at all to be honest i've been playing um still been playing a bit of horizon zero dawn which i'm still really really enjoying um kind of done almost everything on the side missions now so i gotta start with the main story but yeah absolutely loving it great game good um haven't done much else um yeah that's it yeah that's it okay good all right well then should we enter some news yes um one second now, but before we get to news, I thought I would do something first because um, well, I know we usually do this at the end, but um, I just thought it'd be interesting to, to, to read this out. So um, let me see again, got to learn how to use. Oh, yeah. I'm speaking and I asked you a question. Right. So we had an email this week and I thought instead of leaving it to the end, We'll, we'll, we'll get to it now. Yeah, yeah. you look very confused. Yusuf. I am very confused. I'm not sure if this is... 
Brenda complaining about uh, your lack of respect nope. for Hanks or N- nothing, nothing from Brenda this week, unfortunately. Brenda, we needed you this week, but anyway, look. Um, yeah, so it comes in from L. S. Perry, and uh, it's just the subject is hypocrite, but there's no, there's no, um, nothing in the body. There's just a clip. So I'm gonna play it. price of it and I was very disappointed to be honest it was like 65 euro everywhere and I was like for a platformer that's you know I mean it, it, no 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 don't give me that hand gesture I mean if you're getting a huge game 65 euro is fine but a crash bandicoot game have a realistic rain and stuff like that and you know like it's a Metal Gear Solid game Easy, like, easier because he doesn't jump up like that. Like, you know, yeah, well, I don't know. I just think that's a lot to ask. I think 55. And now, look, if anyone agrees with me that 65 euro for a new Crash Bandicoot game is a bit excessive please let me know email in and tell us who you agree with me <laughs> <laughs> Naughty dog, yeah. i remember what i was gonna say i was gonna say so um if you talk look at like a film or something pixar film is going to be really expensive to make it look really nice and playful and stuff it's going to be similar things for a cartoonized style video game It is expensive, it is dear. It is expensive, it is dear. Yeah, I don't think they may have to see how to do it, but I think it depends on the game. Yeah, I don't think they may have to see how to do it, but I think it depends on the game. Yeah, so thank you very much, L.S. Perry. What was that? that song? That was Dreadlocks and Moonlight by Lee Scratch Perry. <laughs> right, right. First off, <laughs> I think that that is, you had one line that I said that <laughs> you repeated. What? What? what are you talking about? I didn't do this. When I did this to you, it was a very different story. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, what I seem to get from that audio, and thank you, L.S. Perry, for sending that in, uh, <laughs> it was that you were saying that it doesn't matter what kind of game is, it shouldn't uh, cost any, you know, 65 euros grand because it takes a lot to develop a game. But uh, then the following week, I believe that you said uh, it depends on the game, how much you should be charged. So, you know, it, it's just really interesting. So thank you very much. L.S. Perry. Appreciate that. So anyway, right. are you happy with that? I'm going to cut all that out. <laughs> okay, so here we go. I've got news for you. You are mine now. You belong to me. Now. <laughs> Very good. In news, the this is the last episode of the Press the Action Button podcast. As I leave. <laughs> yes, I'm going to do a pod with L.S. Perry. All right. <laughs> Um, so in news, so it was a quiet week by comparison. 
So for fans of, well, we seem to be talking a little bit about DLCs and kind of fighting games, stuff like that. There's a new character that's been announced for Smash. Ah, yes, yes, I've seen that. I got an email about it actually from Nintendo. Ah, uh, yeah, very good. So Minecraft, uh, Minecraft characters, uh, I think depending on the skins, it can change to who it is, um, which is quite a good thing. But of course, you will not get it unless you pay for a season pass. Ah, I don't care. Whatever. Yeah. I don't want to play as Minecraft characters anyway. <laughs> Millions of people. <laughs> I said I don't want to. All right, fair enough. All right. Other news that um, PlayStation 5 has finally released its UI. UI. User interface. Oh, for developers, you mean? No, what it, what it looks like, basically, when you... Ah, okay, yeah, and? So, um, just a lot of people were talking about wondering what, how, how it's going to be... Um, it's a bit weird. Anybody kind of cares too much about this, but there's a couple of interesting things in it. So one thing is now is that when you're playing it, I and mean, you know when you press the PS Home button, um, mm-hmm. you can navigate some menus in there without completely pausing your gaming play. So that's quite cool. And one thing they've introduced into it is if you are paying for a, a PS Now subscription, you can look at a tip section, which should be quite handy because you can go down and you can look at a video of, like they will have a video of like that part of the level. So uh, say you're paying, so the example they did, they had um, Sackboy and he was running around and if he didn't know what he was doing, they could stick that up on the screen and then you could see somebody, how they did a certain jump or something or how they got to a certain thing, which is maybe quite a nice, cool thing of if you're stuck on a part in it, if you want to look at a tip, you can just go to the home screen without leaving it and just see, you know, it's like, because it's, sometimes it's a bit, I don't really know what I'm stuck at in this game. I'm not really sure exactly where to go. You don't really know what to look for. If you're just like, did I just miss a corner? It's like, oh, right, okay. So I guess that's well, kind of cool, but, you know. Yeah, it's a good idea. I think the purists won't like it. And, you know, and, and not only that, the YouTubers who make a living out of streaming hard parts of video games won't like it either, but... Well, I mean, maybe that's true, yeah. But I guess what's the difference between somebody, like, if they want to look at something or not, they can look it on their phone or they can now look at it on their PS without mm. actually closing out of it. It's a pretty minor thing, but it's okay. But another thing... That's a good idea. Another thing which got some uh, negative feedback, which I think was through a misunderstanding, is that if I send you a voice chat saying that mm-hmm. you're a shithead and I don't like how you play FIFA, mm-hmm. you can then upload that to Sony, to moderators, basically. What? But why? Why aren't they monitor? Why don't like if you put in a complaint? Why aren't they, why don't they have that anyway? Because just you before you didn't have the ability to actually send the packaged audio. Right. That's so. I guess it's just a good way of going look, here is some evidence that somebody sent me something hateful. Mm. I would so, have thought they'd have all that recorded anyway. I, well, I mean, you guess you need big servers and do you want, you know, do you want by default all your audios messaging on their platform to be recorded? Probably not. No, I don't, but I figured they're doing it anyway. Yeah, so it's just, a, I guess it's a, so some people were like, oh, oh, Sony are listening to you and stuff, and they're not listening to you, but they do have, if, if you send something to somebody, somebody else can now basically send that on to a moderator and say, this person is being hateful because they're losing at a game of COD or something mm. like that. So it's yeah. just a nice kind of way of maybe making people be aware of that they can't just kind of get away with what they want behind the screen. Good. I'm yeah. glad to hear that. Yeah. So that's good. A couple of other things is that uh, Xbox have announced Smart Delivery, which is basically if you buy a game now that is going to be coming out on the next generation console later on, you will get that game for free if you buy it now. So you'll get it on both consoles. Sorry, say that again? If you 
So if you buy a, a game on Xbox now, right, that is going yeah. to also, the same game is going to be released on the Xbox Series X or Series S, the next gen uh, iteration of that game. You will yeah. also get that when you do finally get the next generation console. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's quite nice, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. if you want to play a game now, if you don't want to wait, but you go, I don't want to buy this for both consoles, you won't have to. You buy it for one, you get the value of it on the next generation too. I kind of like uh, what Microsoft are doing this generation, I have to say. It's kind of, you know, they're kind of doing well. They're, they've made a few good decisions from what I've seen. Yeah, they're definitely they're going consumer friendly, which is very good. Um, mm-hmm. All pro for that. Um, I generally distrust Microsoft um, just because of some kind of more Windows things they've done and some things to their phones, um, as well as some things they tried to do with the, with the uh, Xbox One when it was first coming out. But... Mm-hmm. They're doing a bloody brilliant job here and they deserve credit for it because they are looking out for the consumer. And, you know, sometimes for, if some people don't have a lot of money and as we were just saying, some games can be expensive and maybe we think, oh, it's not that much or whatever. Some people are from homes where they don't have that much disposable income. They may love a game. They may want to play it. Maybe, you know, a big Christmas present is going to be a next gen console for them and they won't get many games on it. It's a pretty cool thing, I think, to let people be able to play it on both. Maybe they're up to something. If the conspiracy theorists are to be believed, uh, if you get a free game, you might have to, you know, get in bed with Bill Gates and get a vaccine, something like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> One of my mates is, and you know him, I'm not going to say his name, he's on the verge of being an anti-masker. Oh, okay, right, okay. You know him well as well. I, Yeah. Right. I think I know who it is. Yeah, he's a stupid idiot. <laughs> and, I know who it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just going on about. It's just like why aren't you like you know why aren't they letting uh, people kind of meet up? It's like I'd li- I just like to say that uh, earlier on this week, nineteen thousand people were uh, confirmed new cases in one day in the UK. That's insane. You know what I mean, now listen, I, I I do have what some would consider controversial views in this, and I, I don't think it's controversial because because obviously it's my view, but anyway, <laughs> I, I, I'm all for social distancing. I'm all for mask wearing. I'm all for hand washing. I'm all for taking precautions, but I don't think an all out lockdown is a solution. Um, because, I, I, you know, I think that we have to be smarter. We have to figure out a way to, to, to keep people as safe as they would be during a lockdown, but also somehow keep, people's businesses going and livelihoods going without just taking a load of loans now that might be an impossible ask mm. but um i see even the who came out the other week and said lockdowns aren't the answer either so i mean it's it's i don't know because that comes on the back of the rumor of of rumors of there being a six-week lockdown here in ireland now mm. a level five lockdown which means you won't be able to do anything restaurants yeah. will have to close pubs hairdressers you can't go within six kilometers or two kilometers of your house kind of thing so look, I don't know. I know there's no perfect answers in this, but I just think um, you know it's very, very, very hard on some people. And I had a, had a friend that I work with, and sadly her husband uh, was got, was diagnosed with skin cancer, and he just couldn't get a, an appointment in the hospital. Just couldn't get it. He had to end up leaving the country to get to get care. Yeah. So you know, like stuff like that. You know, you're kind of like I don't know. Anyway, like I think look, not to go into a big thing because let's not you know maybe this is nice if this is a bit of an escape from that stuff so let's try and keep it like that but yeah 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 true 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 but all i'm gonna say is that i'm just gonna say one thing real quick right <laughs> uh, 
is that that was the best video of all time <laughs> poor Ted. <laughs> I'm gonna let you finish. <laughs> um, he's running for president if we're going political. <laughs> Is he? Well, not anymore. I don't think. I think he recently announced he might be doing it again. I don't know what he's doing. I love how he called uh, Chris Jenner or what her name, Chris Kardashian, Chris Jong Un. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. Um, all right, I should say that if you look at because I think we're from different points of it because Ireland has done a bit of a lockdown. I'm in the UK. They haven't really done the same sort of level. Um, like 45,000 people have died here. You know, if you look at, um, if you look at Germany, if you actually know, better yet, if you look at Southeast Asian countries, I think it's less than 60 people have died in Thailand in a place of a huge population. Same for Vietnam. I think it's less than a hundred as well. A lot of Philippines as well. Very small numbers. And they've done these strict lockdowns in New Zealand. They did strict lockdowns. And then because like Ireland is an island nation, there was a point there where a couple of, for a couple of weeks in the middle of it, whenever it was locked down, they were able to have like everything open. They could have mm-hmm. thousands of people in the football stadium because they could go. We know no one's got it because we locked it down. It came back when it came in from outside. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can do that kind of stuff. And at the end of the day, stuff like saying, people couldn't go to the hospital and stuff like that in Ireland. That's a problem. But what this kind of does is it puts pressure on already pre-existing problems. So the health service now is seriously underfunded. There's not enough beds. There's not enough places for people. If we had them, if the, if it hadn't been so underfunded and so badly run for so long, you could easily separate it up and go, look, we've got the doctors and we've got the nurses here that can concentrate on this. And we've got the ones here so that we can, look after people when they need it but we don't have that and that's that's bad ruling like we've got loads of vacancies in hospitals we've got loads of nurses graduating out uh, in dublin in particular and they're mm-hmm. saying that there's no work for them even though they need it because they don't want to spend the money on it you know yeah. that's why they're going elsewhere so yeah I think, let's not get political yeah, let's leave it let's leave it yeah. be. okay anyway so uh back to a little bit of more news uh is that Basically, Xbox have announced uh, about 30 games or, or more, actually, that are going to be available at launch. And some of them are going to be the new Assassin's Creed, uh, Gears of War games, the new Devil May Cry, Watch Dogs Legion, and Yakuza, uh, I think it's Like a Dragon or something like that. So mm-hmm. they've just released a couple of those games. So it's looking like it'll be some decent things. Not going to... Both PlayStation and uh, Xbox haven't really come out with, we have our huge game that we're going to get. This is going to be one of those things that everybody's going to want. They haven't really done that. Um, I think they're so kind of looking on, concentrating on like the service of it and some things that are going to be coming out a little bit further on down the line. Um, mm. So I don't know. We'll see. We see where these things go, when these consoles do come out, what's available to everybody, what games they play. I think with what they're offering with their online stuff, I think no matter what you get, you're going to get some pretty fun games anyway. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I definitely like... Like I was saying before, this generation of consoles, like no way would I get an Xbox. But I don't know. I kind of, you know, maybe, maybe well, the next I, generation. We'll I, see. I think so. Currently, the Series S, which is the smaller, uh, slight less powerful version, I think is outselling the Series X at the moment. Which mm. is, I think, people are, and, and for now anyway, they might be thinking, "Hey, I can do both." You know, because mm. there's people who had a great fun with the PS4 because it, it did better in that generation by a fair bit. Uh, and they go, well, so I want to get to the PS5 because that's what they're into. That's the games they're currently playing. 
so they can go for um they go for a ps5 or they're thinking i want to go for that but actually the series s is such good value so many mm. good games way what they're doing that maybe xbox like look we're going to get people hooked in then maybe in five years time xbox released the next version like you know the equivalent of the playstation pro or the more powerful whatever they're going to do maybe yeah. they'll go hey we've got them in now they're into our ips let's keep mm. going so it's it, it's clever by microsoft just try and fight back a little bit mm. yeah yeah i want to play fable definitely want to play fable yeah well i mean bethesda buying bethesda worked yeah um i was gonna to say to you yeah i have a bit of news um and i don't have any story or anything but i read it during the week that the irish government are doing something like uh like kind of like an entertainment tax kind of break or whatever it's going to help you know film and tv and you know kind of more the arts but apparently it's now going to be available to gaming really and yeah so um apparently it's, it's a huge thing for game developers here it's gonna like really boost um hopefully the the industry here um and there is a few uh, studios here you know you have uh, riot games which are part of epic you have um romero games and galway you know do doom that kind of stuff you have a couple of other mobile developers so um yeah it's really interesting because and um, as, as we know you know gaming is so much bigger than movies and tv mm-hmm. and everything these days so you know it'd be good if uh, ireland can get in on that yeah i think so i think like ireland has had similar things with uh, film and tv for a while and with that there's a lot of studios there's a lot of green screen studios and different things that are set up in ireland and post-production houses and everything um and film stuff is filmed in ireland because of these tax breaks and it works these people when you're working on a film or a project that's going to cost whatever 5 10 15 million plus upward then when you can save whatever an extra five percent on that that's a pretty big deal yeah absolutely so uh to uh prospective gaming um companies that might set up here in the coming years because of this tax break i'm available just just so you know before time and if you want you can hire me to keep newman away from you so he <laughs> won't bother you with let's do mario 64 again <laughs> <laughs> i got a lot of great ideas guys don't listen to yusuf he doesn't just, i do loads okay. Well, do you want to get into the game? It's been long enough. Yes, 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 yes. So um, Final Fantasy VIII. Oh, what can I say about this game? Honestly, you know, it's just, I love everything about it. Absolutely everything about it. Um, I, you know, I could do hours talking about this game. And obviously, you know, for the fact that we have listeners, we won't do that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, just, you know, really, really fond memories of this game. The soundtrack, the characters, I, I always remember as being kind of the more mature Final Fantasies in a way. Not not particularly story-wise, because Seven was quite mature, but, um, you know, you had full-size characters in this that looked like real people rather than little, you know, comic-y uh, sprites kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the story I really enjoyed. Um, you know, everyone thought Squall was a prick at the start, and then, you know which we'll get into later but um you know the the themes of the of the game the gameplay i really love the draw element of this game people didn't like it i thought it was brilliant um but yeah i'm just really really great memories your, your own um similar enough to you um i also loved, loved the draw element of it i really like this game when i try to imagine what is my what are my memories of this i don't really know because i have it in such a whole together like i just when I think of, I think of the whole game. I think of so many different parts of it because it's a game that, when you know, when we first got it and stuff, I remember watching you play it because I was whatever eight or nine, 
uh, years old and then I played it all the way through and then like I played it again on different consoles I played it on the Vita and then the PSP and I played it on mm. PlayStation 2 again I was playing it a few two months ago on the Switch it's available on the Switch now if anybody wants to get it it's available mm. on Steam it is brilliant it's so it is an excellent game one of my favorite games of all time the music the characters um I just I love it I love it all to the absolute bits mm-hmm and if you remember when you played this game first, I somehow got my hands on the Japanese version. Yes, I, this is <laughs> this is one of my earliest memories where we went to an import shop and we got it in, and it was in Japanese. And the so we'll so we'll talk about it, but they had this um, kind of the draw system and the junctioning. It's quite complicated. Um, I didn't really fully understand the first time I played it at all, but. Uh, we didn't understand it in any way. So summons are a pretty big thing in this game. And basically to know how to do it, it was, <laughs> you need to be able to read Japanese like we were doing it. <laughs> we didn't know what to do. And I remember Newman got quite far playing it and just could not get past uh, a boss because he had no idea how to use magic or how to equip summons or anything. <laughs> no idea how to play the game. You're like you're trying to like you know wing your way through it, then you open up the menu and there's like forty thousand you know words in Japanese. Ah, okay. <laughs> what do I do here? But um, yeah, really, I I I can't remember where we got that from actually. I I didn't know did we buy it online or was no. that even a thing then? No, it was in the shop. We didn't, we didn't have online. We used to go. I thought it was it was an importer. I think it was around Parnell Street or something like that. We used Mr. to calculator. Yeah, I think it was from him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We used to get our import games in, and we just couldn't wait for them to release it in English. Mm, yeah, I remember getting to the stage where you're at the train or whatever. Um, not in, not at the start, but further on, um, when you're going to the second garden, and um, like I remember, just I was like, okay, I, I, what am I doing? I don't know. I don't know any of these characters. Why am I even doing this? Like you know, but um. Yeah, just I, it was it was it felt like a more mature um, Final Fantasy to me from seven, mm-hmm. and um, I, I'm gonna make a bold claim, and, and as I usually do, which probably isn't that bold, but I do prefer this music to Final Fantasy VII's music, and that is a huge thing, because I love Final Fantasy VII music. But um, I, I, see, I don't know. I think it's more listenable probably as well because the quality of, of the music is better than like you know, the MIDI kind of uh, elements on seven and seven kind of has this atmosphere of like melancholy over pretty much the whole soundtrack, yeah. you know, like a lot of the music is somewhat depressing and this is yeah. kind of more upbeat, more mature, more, more, more various. So I um, love it. Love, love this game. I do. Um, I do always I'm quite surprised. And it's the Final Fantasy seven main team when you just walk around the world map how depressing and like overbearing and just a sense of impending doom that's there. It's just like, boom, impressive bump, you know, it's just like, Oh God, what's this? Yeah. Yeah. This feeling of whatever. Uh, but it is. And that is what they wanted to do for eight is they went seven is darker. Right. It was a bit, you know, it's steampunky and it's got this, you know, darker kind of feel about it. They wanted to make a different type of Final Fantasy game. I cannot mm-hmm. believe how quickly this came out after seven. It's insane, isn't it? I like how. Come on. And it's just, it also shows that when the first days of a console, um, particularly for this, because beforehand, the Squaresoft games, sorry, not Square, yeah, Squaresoft games and Final Fantasy games, they were on uh, Nintendo consoles. So they were going, all right, we're going to go to discs and how do we do this and what can the console do? But then the longer they do it, the more they understand it, the more they know how they can push it. And mm. this game looks 
a lot better than seven way better yeah way better yeah and i think it still had the pre-rendered backgrounds but yeah the, the characters were definitely uh, everything was much 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 better about this game i mean yeah. in terms of graphic yeah yeah and i mean that's not a, a slate i love final fantasy 7 but um they just knew what they could do better because i mean they were completely new with final fantasy 7 when they started final fantasy 7 they didn't know what console it was going to be on whereas mm. but like a lot of the team that worked on 7 were the same as uh, 8 so they knew what they could do they knew fast ways around things it's just you know they were more experienced and they were better with the tools and they created you know uh, definitely an aesthetically better product yeah and i think um like you have so, so so many of the big names like you're saying from seven you had uh nobuo matsu doing this whole soundtrack which is just you know a joy whenever he does that um and i, I was surprised to see Tet, uh, tetsuya nomura um was very involved in this game because i kind of i don't i don't really like him anymore since his kingdom hearts you know forays i you know i just think it's i don't know but anyway yeah. um so i was impressed to see you know the, the, that he did a lot of the characters in this and um yeah. yeah i mean just um yeah definitely brought it on um and, and a lot more and I, I loved i love like the setting you know like you know universities and like you know that kind of atmosphere of like you know being the specialist in this college kind of you know and a lot if you remember like when you're doing the seed exams like you actually get a salary and stuff you know which yeah. is just so cool um but yeah i love the atmosphere of this game and i just really want to play it again yeah well, it now. <laughs> it's on the switch and i recommend it because it has godsend of triple speed on the switch yeah. so it's just you can just fly through it really quickly and it's particularly if you've played it before and you know what you're going to do it doesn't speed up the music thankfully so you can still listen to the music at its right pace um mm. but it just means that you can just deal with it way way quicker um yeah. but look we, we've kind of touched on a couple of things about it so let's just get uh, right into the development of it so this re- was released in 1999 which as we said was the second final fantasy 7 final fantasy game to be released on uh, playstation after final fantasy 7 uh, and they began working on it in 97 before Final Fantasy VII was released. So when the team finished Final Fantasy VII and they still didn't know how good and successful it was going to be, while they were working on the translation and the localization, the team began on Final Fantasy VIII. Uh, it is the fourth best-selling game in PlayStation history. Wow. Do you want to have a guess at what's above it? Better gear. No. Um, Tomb Raider. No. Crash Bandicoot. No. This game is bigger. It has sold more than those iconic games. Ridge Racer or something. Gran Turismo. Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> anyway. So I'll get it. No, no. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> number four on the list is Final Fantasy VIII. Which at the time on the well on the PlayStation it sold eight and a half million copies, right? Woohoo! Yeah. Right. Number three on the list is Gran Turismo Two. Ah, I said Gran Turismo. Well, you said Gran Turismo Two, <laughs> right? So that's nine uh, nine point three million copies. Number two on the list is Final Fantasy Seven. Wow! I never knew. I didn't think Seven sold that well. Wow! Great. Ten million copies on the PlayStation. Right, Excellent. so that's not counting what went to PC and it sold a lot on PC. That's not counting anything afterward when it was sold again um, on, you know, um, like Steam 
as well after that or once again on like uh, the downloads for PS Vita and everything. So that's not including that. So these are huge numbers. And then just above that, 10.8 million is Gran Turismo 1. Ugh. Yeah, I'm really surprised. I didn't realize these Gran Turismo games were so big. Yeah, of course they are. You've all the, you know, the how he is into it, you know. <laughs> Cars, you know what I mean? Cars. Yeah, okay. You can be a car in it. You can drive a car in it. Okay. Right. Just, you know, <laughs> you're possibly insulting the biggest crowd of gamers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do like car games, but I mean, uh, I, yeah, okay, right. People love it. I'm not mad for it. But anyway, so it was uh, the fourth best-selling uh, PlayStation game, which, as you said, meaning it sold better than Metal Gear Solid, uh, Crash Bandicoot, um, Tekken 3, like all these other iconic games that people think of when they think of PlayStation. Final Fantasy VIII was bigger than all of them. And big part of that is because of the success that Final Fantasy VII had uh, before it. So they also wanted to go away from something different. A lot of the same team. Final Fantasy VIII, they wanted to be a mix of fantasy and realism a little bit more, whereas Final Fantasy VII was a lot more sci-fi. So, for example, in uh, sorry, Final Fantasy VIII, they want to be more sci-fi, whereas VII is more fantasy. So, uh, mm-hmm. in VIII, you're in the giant floating garden, which does sound a bit mental, but there's like a mechanism to it. There's meant to be a contraption, and you know you need to steer it like a ship to make it work better. You know, there's a bit more of realism that's kind of based into it. There's like space shuttles and everything when they go into space and they get like a rocket mm. that they can fly around on. Um, whereas seven was a bit more, you know, it was a bit weird that people are wearing like iron and, you know, bits of metal medieval body armor. And also there was a, you know, airship that they can fly around on. Yeah, true, true. So they wanted to go the other way. They also wanted uh, people to be a bit more realism. They wanted to be everyday people. So that's why you don't get like impossibly big characters and, and, you know, like Barrett. You don't get this huge hulking character with a machine gun arm. You don't get any weird dog characters or anything. Uh, <laughs> oh, you've got the Mumbas or whatever they call them this. You do, yeah. That's the only thing. But they're not humans. Uh, yeah, well, enough. they do kind of evolve into those other weird uh, characters. But as far as the main party are concerned, you know, because like, like in seven, you could get Red Thirteen and quite Sid. And stuff. Jackie, little freak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, because he's considered a freak. All right. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So in seven, you got a couple of weird characters like Red Thirteen and uh, Kite Sid and stuff. Uh, in nine, uh, it's quite kind of uh, old school fancy again. In ten, you've got like Kamari and stuff like that. So you've got a bit more of that. Whereas the main characters are six humans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and well-written characters as well, I think. Yeah, well, I think the, I think the, it is quite good. There is, of course, you know, the element of, like, magic and stuff and sorcerers and that kind of a thing. It is mm. still a fantasy game. But they wanted to be a bit more real, for especially because they wanted to be different than what they were doing before. They also yeah. wanted them to all be around the same age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I think creates a quite a good kind of, I don't know, it, maybe just when we're your kids playing it and the idea of a college student just being, like, cool which is a nice thing of, you know, they just these, they're, they're 17, 18 years old and stuff like that. They're kind of mm. adults and they're able to kind of do what they want. They have their control and stuff like that, but they just, they're in college. They've got like a dorm room and everything. And there's like, yeah. a, you know, they go to like a ball and stuff and they do 
yeah odd things so it just seems like it's quite cool you know but it's a cool college where i can fight monsters in a you know monster arena and everything yeah i remember squall's dance at rinoa i always remember that one it's it's so like you know iconic yeah they're stepping to each side of each other um yeah but um yeah just i just i don't know i love everything about this game anyway do you know how they did that how they did what the dancing mocap suits Yes, they did. <laughs> Good guess. One of the first times that they had done it. So, um, mocaps are for anybody who doesn't know is motion capture. You wear the uh, you generally a black suit. They put a couple of bubbles on you. They set you up in an area where there's cameras all over the room. They are able to record just the movement of the bubbles. They stick it together, and you're able to get a really detailed. Well, you're able to get a, generally a more detailed movement set way quicker than you would if you were hand animating it bit by bit by bit however a lot of the time and particularly back then in the 90s um the animators had to do a lot of work and sometimes they would just use it for reference right okay you know it's amazing when you when you think about this game as well like the scale of it you know because the graphics were amazing and it was a huge game like it was like you know sometimes in your head you think yeah final fantasy like it kind of it, it doesn't have to kind of push you know the envelope in terms of you know graphical um capabilities and cut scenes and and all but like they just went all out for this game and to develop it in such a short time is just stunning yeah well i mean it was um over four discs do you remember yeah, I, I'd love those old school days of four discs with different characters on each one. Amazing. It had uh, part of the reason I had the uh, four discs is that it was um, had an hour of uh, FMV sequences. Yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, twenty minutes more than Final Fantasy Seven, which is a pretty big deal. Yeah, um, yeah. and no one will forget uh, Squall and Safer's fight at the start. Yeah, uh, to the background of Phaethos Luzek song. Liberty for Tally, sorry. Um, and how Squall gets a super cool, uh, sexy scar. <laughs> yeah, quite apt. Well, the thing is, when, yeah. they, when they designed the characters, they wanted Squall to be cool, have a scar, and they hadn't decided how he would get it. So that's why they put it in the intro. Amazing. I What I always remember about that intro as well is it reminded me of uh, Star Wars Episode One. Do you remember that song? Yes. Yeah it, was, it, it, yeah, it was kind of as epic as that for me, you know what I mean? As a kid playing Final Fantasy, it's like, oh my God, it's amazing. It had that, it had that vibe, definitely. Although this was before, this is before episode one. Was it, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I'm pretty sure it was. Let me double check that. Uh, another thing that they wanted to do with this was that they wanted to be a bit, a bit more European in how they looked at things. And uh, mm-hmm. you were also saying how it was um, a lot kind of lighter and stuff like that than Final Fantasy VII. And that was on purpose. Yeah. Um, so that they, if you think of it, it's a lot more colorful, a lot more brighter and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, well, episode one, sorry, was 1999. This game was also 1999. So oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so they wanted it to be a lot more brighter and a lot more colorful and everything, and that's what they do, and that's how the music is, that's how the feel is. They just wanted to do something separate from Seven, which just the same team of people who just made mm. what was a game that sold 10 million copies. It was the first kind of time Final Fantasy and JRPGs in general had a huge effect outside of uh, Japan, brought in a whole new group of people, finished one game. Couple of months later, let's do the next one. They begin the next one. Let's do this different. Let's do this different. Let's do all this, and it's another excellent game. That's it's so good. 
Yeah, I, 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 I struggle to understand how they managed it because, you know, when I think about this game, I think this is like at a sweet spot for Square. This is obviously before Square Enix, right? Yeah. Yeah, so like, I think after this, like, I don't like Final Fantasy IX. People love it. And I, I don't get it, to be honest. And, and But anyway, 7 and 8 for me are by far, like, just miles ahead of the other ones, right? Mm-hmm. And after this, they kind of, like you were saying, they were trying to go more European. They were trying to go more, you know, um, realistic. They kind of, I think they went way too much in that direction. Like, you know, and what was it? What was that Final Fantasy where the guy had the hat in his head and, like, you know, the beanie on his head and he was just kind of like a cool kind uh, of... 13. Yeah, 13. And, like, this for me, like, this is when they started implementing stuff that kind of made it more action-y rather than just a pure, you know, a role-playing turn-based game. Like, you know, you could press R1 and have Squall, you know, hit his blade. You had Irvine's limit breaks. You could fire the guns. You had Zells. You can input commands again to do different attacks. You had a lot of kind of stuff that got you more involved in, in, in an action kind of way rather than just pure turn-based. And I think the balance is perfect. And I think the balance also of fantasy and realism um it is also perfect in this game yeah i think i think they got it right and um it's it's really fun and i i was playing it recently and i think it's good to go again um like you know i would recommend people go and play it now so the kind of what who was kind of considered who was well he was the series creator of final fantasy games is hironbu sakaguchi right and he was the boss man so they say in this Right, I was reading, so reading up and doing some research on it that he was very busy working on the Final Fantasy film Spirits Within, and so yeah, it did not work out well. Which is kind of, um, if we do a Final Fantasy VII episode, we, we go into it a lot more detail. Kind of was the death of kind of JRPGs for about five or six years, the death of creativity in games as well. I mean, it just it just it went to you know, it just didn't work out well for Square and it kind of changed the way, um markets were working and the kind of success of some games and consoles but anyway so they say that he wasn't really working on it because he was working on spirits within however i remember reading uh, quite a long transcript about it and even though he kind of left it to other people to do uh but you know to kind of a lot more saying what's going on he made big decisions and they would go to him and they would say look what are we going to do what do we do this or this and he would just go no this and then you know he might not be in it for a while they'd come back and go i'm changing my mind this or do this mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. it sounds like it's a nightmare it sounds like it's going to be shy he did it for seven he did it for eight you know um he did it for nine as well which i'm not a huge fan of and he did it for parts of the way on 10 and then he did kind of step down afterward because of how much of a you know mess up spirits within was the film um yeah, yeah. but i mean they're like some of the most successful games um of that generation for a long time um and like i mean as we said 18 million copies on the playstation sold for just Final Fantasy 7 Final Fantasy 8 like you mm-hmm. i know those numbers now aren't that big but considering that you know there was less pe- people always had a playstation in their house yeah well pe- way less gamers back then than there is now it's way yeah. more mainstream now yeah yeah definitely so he uh although he did was kind of stepped back a bit he still made a lot of decisions and there does seem to be the idea that he's a big reason why square had that feeling that it did have at the time and it has kind of moved away from it yeah yeah sadly so you talked about a little bit there with the uh gunblade and stuff like that do you want to talk about the rest of the gameplay yeah so um this was this was a big departure from final fantasy 7 where you know the whole system was basically materia based and leveling up your materia 
and then you learned your limit breaks you had different you know parameters you had to meet to get those limit breaks and stuff like that in this you basically had to draw magic which meant you like pulled it out of enemies different enemies had different magic and um, you could uh, kind of junction your the magic that you had to your weapons to your defense and that, that kind of stuff and it would upgrade your statistics so um uh, you could get guardian forces um which i really love in this game because like the the, the difference between seven and eight like they just look so much more mature in this like ifrit compared to seven and eight like just completely yeah. different um and you know like it, people kind of complained about it because they thought that it, it made the game too easy if you just kept drawing like really strong magic and stuff but like it doesn't have to be that much of a grind you know what i mean i mean it's okay for it to be fun without you need to grind you know the hell out of stuff to get an, a, a, an upgrade but the characters were also very different in this game now i i would argue that they were in seven as well but their limits were also very very different you know um renault was you know you're kind of mostly i guess a healer or kind of you know magic more magic based um then you, you had you had squad with the coolest invention ever a gun in, in a blade, you know, called the gun blade. And I always remember Headmaster said, uh, you know, at the end when you're graduating, he's like, oh, a gun blade specialist, finally, you know? So, um, Ooh, by the way, is the image of Robin Williams? <laughs> I guess so, yeah. We have, we have to see him in upgraded graphics to say say that for sure. But yeah, um, yeah, so you had your gun blade and then you had your, um, as I was saying, with the action elements of the game, like when you had your limit break with Squall, if you press R1 when it was going through this little bar, you would get the attacks and it made the most like satisfying gun sound as you hit R1 every time, you know, it was just like, Oh my God, that's so impactful. <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, then you had um, Irvine, you could fire his guns, you could Zell who, uh, I, I, you know, gameplay aside, I love the arc of Zell's character because you think he's just this like, you know, basic, you know, cool, cool prick kind of guy, mm. you know, who thinks he's great. And like, you know, I really love the friendship between him and Zell, Squall and Zell towards the end, like, you know, how they really love each other, like, you know, and then they rely on each other. And, you know, he's like just this solid friend to Squall, you know, and like, he's, he's loyal as hell. Like you can always count on him, you know, being your bud. But um, yeah, um, so yeah, you could draw your magic, you could cast your magic, you had your guardian forces, um, and your limit breaks were all different. That's kind of the main kind of gameplay elements of it that I can I think remember. it did. Um, so I think one thing it did really well is that it created a nice balance because um, one, it did something that uh, Final Fantasy hadn't done before. Of the higher level you go, the higher level your enemies are. So even yeah. in the first part of the game, uh, if you grind up really, really strong and you get past level 30, and if your average level is above level 30, then the enemies will be above level 30. And that means that they're going to be stronger. And that means the magic that they're going to have is going to be stronger as well. So it means if you're fighting a normal enemy and they have fire, then if you are stronger, they'll now have uh, Fira, which is a stronger level of it. And that means, okay, that's going to be better to junction to your weapons to make your health better or whatever. However, yeah. it had that other balance of if you then used it, because it was junction to your health, your health would go down because you needed to have the you know the max amount of it to make it to make your health the highest level it could be. So it was that thing of, do I use this magic now for this one time battle or for this one time attack? But that might also overall mean that my health will be lower, particularly if it's a really hard to come by magic. So if it was something you couldn't come by too easy and you use it up really quickly to you know defeat a really tough enemy, then that meant that you couldn't have it elsewhere. So I really liked that. I thought it was. Also, the sophistication of the, this system and Final Fantasy VII systems and Final Fantasy X's 
completely different ways of doing things. Wasn't a big yeah. fan of nine. Didn't like the way they did it. A bit more old school. Um, but the way of going, look, this is how magic works. This is how you level up. This is how your weapons work is just absolutely brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. This is also one of the first Final Fantasies that didn't have any armor. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Yeah. And also the limit break was different in this game that we should say as well, because, you know, in the first one, you had to get damaged a certain amount of time. Sorry, not the first one, seven. You had to get damaged a certain amount of time for your limit break to build. And this, like, the cl- the lower your health was, you ha- you would have a chance of getting your limit break. And yeah. you could, like, rapidly press circle to, like, refresh your bar to hopefully get it, like, one time. Um, which I really liked that element of it. I thought it was so much fun. It also brought a lot of risk in because it meant the strongest you were was when you were closest to death. So if you yeah. did yourself intentionally, you could always start off a battle with, you know, to be able to have your strongest attack. But it also meant that you could be killed in one hit. True, true. Yeah, so I had a nice thing. I must say, though, although I really liked the characters in it and they had like a kind of nice dynamic in it, um, I always thought that, maybe quite unfairly, the three uh, girl characters were so much weaker than the men's in that their their limit breaks. I just felt they were just really crap compared to it. Because, I mean, you know... Selfie was all right. Selfie was okay. But the problem is if you... So she had the ability to... You know, she had like... There was like double or triple and she could get that and she could get some magic. But sometimes if you're like, oh, shit, my health's low or this boss is tough, you just end up keep going do over and do over, hoping to get attack. And sometimes you wouldn't. And it'd just be like two Firas and you're like, okay, go ahead and stuff. Where I... You could so it was a lot easier to break the nine 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 health damage with the three men characters because they all hit multiple times again and again and again. Yeah, true, true. I think not only that, I also think that the male characters are written much better than the females. Like Quistus is kind of forgettable. You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. Rinoa is okay. Selfie is okay, but they're not. You know, like the the depth of characters of of the the three male characters especially Irvine, you know, mm. the, like the fact that he acts like this cocky boy, ladies man, and then he can't take the shot. Yeah. yeah. You know, like he, uh, he, like he's doubting himself then and he just can't do it. Like, I just thought that was one of the best character, you know, uh, you know, revelations, you know, that I can ever remember. He had like, time. he had a bit of an arc and I think Zell also had a bit of an arc. Squall had a huge one. Rinoa kind of changed about a bit. Quistis sort of realized that she used to be a bit kind of bossy and she needs to kind of, you know, step back a bit and she's not kind of as mature as she thought she was. Yeah. Hers is really small by comparison to some of the other characters. Selfie doesn't really change at all. And no. I think Zell doesn't really change, but I think what happens with him is your, yours and everyone's perception of him is you just, the beginning you think he's stupid because yeah. he comes over with a cool flip and he goes for a handshake and Squall won't shake his hand. You think, oh, he's, he's a bit of a doofus. But playing it yeah. again recently, you realize that actually, the only reason you think he's not cool and a bit of a dope is because Safer and Squall are dickheads. Yeah, true. They're not, true. they're just not nice to him, but they're the yeah. dickheads and they change. Well, you know, Safer becomes evil and uh, Squall, yeah. you know, realizes that actually he doesn't need to be so closed up and stuff. Whereas Zell actually is like a really kind hearted person all the way throughout the game. The thing that I love about Squall though, as well, is the fact that he's a prick, but he doesn't know why he's a prick. He can't, he can't remember why he's a prick either. You know what I mean? So he can't even fix himself. So, you know, I, I love that element of it because like it's, you know, it's all that kind of emotional intelligence kind of side of things, questioning yourself, questioning your motivations. But if you can't remember why you are the way you are, you know, what chance do you have of being, you know, a decent human being? There is a load of um, 
like it's like it's a bit more grown up in the sense and Fawcett Seven had a bit of this where it's a lot of his the speech bubbles are just him thinking and sometimes mm. it's him because at a lot at the start of the game he says very little yeah. and he doesn't want to be in charge he's like why are they talking to me why are you asking me to do this I don't want to do this and you know there's a bit where he's a kid he's like I should know this I'm a teenager really it's like you you're the grown ups you should know how to solve the situation um. And he doesn't really know what to do and how to deal with, you know, Rinoa, who is his love interest in the game. Um, mm. So there, there is a lot of that kind of deep thing that goes on. And as the game goes on, he becomes a bit more vocal about these things. Yeah. And uh, he also, you know, contrasts Rinoa and Squall. They're basically polar opposites at mm. the start. Yeah. You know, is outgoing, friendly, bubbly, you know, um, confident. Squall is introverted, like, you know, perceived as rude you know um very self-sufficient self you know like you know just completely opposite characters but by the end they change and like i i, I always remember the intro of this game you know where you have the little writing you know i'll find you you know mm. wherever you are kind of thing and then like the i think you know the love the love interest between squall and reno is just really <clears throat> it's really beautiful towards the end especially when they're in space and you know they're they're floating together and that kind of stuff. It's just uh, it's it's really really beautifully written. Yeah. What's really interesting is actually just playing that recently was Squall almost isn't going to go out there. You know. He's yeah. Like, yeah. They're like, what is wrong with you? Go. Yeah. Out. He's like, oh, you know, am I meant to do this? Because he just he really isn't a confident person. And you find out yeah. as the game goes on, it's um because he kind of he doesn't they lose their memory and they all have connections beforehand. But basically, he loses what he perceives as big sister who used to kind of look out for him and protect him. And then when she's gone, he feels like he doesn't have anybody anymore. Um, and so he's just, he's just, he's quiet because he, ha- he, that was his source of social comfort and that's gone. Yeah. So yeah. That's and that, that's why he, he, he's so, you know, keen to just only be reliant on himself because he's afraid of being let down by someone again. You know? Yeah, yeah. So the uh, do you want to go for the storyline? It's a bit. It's it's quite complicated actually. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of hard, but it's basically about uh, wireless broadband. Why? <laughs> it actually is about wireless. Like that, you know. There's a lot of like this idea knocks out like the wireless system around the world, so everything is like has to be wired, and uh, like information has to be carried you know, directly. And that's why, you know, no, no. Are you sure that's a thing? Yeah, definitely. She wipes, she wipes out like the, the, the connections, the, in the world with with her, with her sorcery. You don't think, I don't know. I, if it is, I feel like I missed this completely. Well, why are they going to the tower at the start? The satellite thing. Yeah, she knocks it out so that she has the she like the uh, she wants to get the broadcast thing. She wants to be able to broadcast her uh, message. No, I don't know. Maybe maybe I picked it up wrong. But anyway, that was a little joke. But basically, what? Yeah. Well, not well. I mean, slightly. But anyway, um, but yeah. So basically, it's you know it follows this group of people who are um at a garden, which is like this university kind of like military training. Uh, outfit um then you have the <clears throat> galbadia which is um uh, i don't know a country there or whatever is invaded by uh sorry invades dalit uh forcing dalit to hire a seed which is why squall and his team are hired um and then 
um they kind of meet together like so um sorry hold on uh yeah so they go on their first mission and safer um is basically just obeys orders then they don't then he fails his exam but the the squall and zell and zell to graduate with c status um and during uh his graduation status and um, squall meets rinoa who we've talked about um and then he's assigned with zell and selfie to help rinoa's resistance in galbadia occupied timber uh squall le- learns that sorcerer's idea is behind galbadia's uh, hostilities um they're joined by Rino Aquisus and Irvine to attempt to assassinate Idea, which I was talking about earlier. Um so during the effort, Squall learns that Safer has become a bodyguard to Idea and um uh basically Irvine can't take the shot even though he's a super cool uh sniper and uh Adia survives, she stabs Squall with a nice pick or whatever I shard, and then she detains the party. Eventually they escape. Uh, how much do we have to go into here? Um, it's it, there's a lot of it, there's a lot of back and forth, and you don't know what's kind of going on. Basically, yeah. sorceress from the future is taking control of people in the present to kind of un- give herself full power. Um, at one point, to take over Adia, and then another point, they, she tries to take over Rinova because she has the ability of having uh, the ability to kind of compress time. So it does get really confusing, and there's a lot of back and forth between yourself and the past because when you're not playing a squall um and your normal party members you play as laguna warden krios and laguna is hinted at being squall's dad um so there's a lot of these quite confusing thing and then you know so it's uh, it's a whole thing about like time travel and it it, it does get quite kind of confusing um and there's yeah. a link that they that these kids were all actually raised by who the current sorceress was as yes. an orphanage together, but they've all lost their memory because they're using the guardian forces, which are the summons in this game for power, yeah. but mm-hmm. at the cost of losing their memories. Yeah, and we should say also that Idea, who is the sorceress Yusuf was talking about, is actually like under control of another sorceress called Ultimisha. But then there's also another sorceress called Adele. Yeah, and then Rino is also another sorceress, so it 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 is kind of convoluted. But um, yeah, I I I think you know you you've summarized it well there. So. Yeah, it's it's quite confusing. But actually, at the beginning, it is just a simple thing of you are basically in a military school and you are hired to go and do missions. Um, so it it it, it if that seems a bit mad, you haven't played this game. Don't let that put you off. And also, that doesn't spoil really very much. You can still play it and enjoy it. It is really good fun just to be that simple place of you're in a university and you're just like hanging out with your friends almost. And you know, you guys do cool things like fight monsters and have the, the good things you expect in uh, JRPGs. And it has one of the best things of any PlayStation game is triple triad, triad. <laughs> yeah i love this game i i got so hooked in this game i remember like i would wake up before school and i would start playing this game at 5 a.m and omer our other brother caught me doing it and he ratted me out to mam <laughs> <laughs> but i'd be up every morning playing this game like you know it was just oh, i love this card game so it, it basically it was a really simple of the cards had pictures of characters and enemies on it. Um, and it, it was a number, it was basically a game of which number is higher. There was different ways of making it more complicated. Very straightforward game, but really, really good fun to play. Um, and it could be massively broken. Actually, one thing I love about this game, right? 
about mm. Final Fantasy as a whole is that you got these different abilities. So you learned abilities through like drawing and through like different weapons, but your summons learned abilities through leveling up. So they actually yeah. got levels more than you and they could learn different skills and they could learn how to turn items into magic or whatever or, or into different items as well. And they could also turn cards into really powerful magic. And that's how you can break this game really, mm. really quickly. You can yeah. go and get these mad cards just for playing the game at a really high level. Um, and then you can turn them into magic and then you can just like, you know, absolutely OP your way through the, the entire game. But, uh, but who wants to get rid of the cards? I want to collect them all. Uh, that's what I, I love doing it. I love doing it. It's really, really good fun. Yeah. Uh, it's just I, like Final Fantasy VII had similar kind of things from the sense of you go to um, Golden Saucer and kind of play games and do chocolate races there. And that was kind of fun. But this, the only other game I can think of which had a similar thing was Final Fantasy X and mm. uh, doing Blitzball where just everywhere yeah. you're going in the middle of the story, you could just go and do it. And it was great. I love that. Yeah, it's a great kind of side game. Talking about the story, right? This is something that I find confusing. Who's that girl who's the one who's been giving you the visions of the past? Alone. Yeah. What, where, where, where did she fit into this? So she has the ability. So basically, Ultimisha sort of wants the power of her. Yeah. Right. And uh, Alone has the ability of kind of, she's the one who sends you into your past self. She sends Squall into Laguna. So yeah. you can experience that stuff and learn about whatever. But and, he's not Laguna. Laguna is his dad, right? Yeah, but you know he has the visions of of, of himself as a pastor. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah because yeah. she has a more control over time than Ultimisha does, in a sense. Yeah. So that's the thing. So so Ultimisha can just kind of control some people, and she tries to control Adia because she wants to be able to control alone. Mm. And so that she can uh, have more control over the past, present, and future. So that's kind yeah. of the idea of it. Convoluted, but anyway. But Very yeah. One of the things I love about this game is Laguna because he's just such a nice guy. And I remember so well, like when you're just kind of like, I remember when it first happened, when you just kind of lost consciousness in the screen with white and then all of a sudden you're playing as Laguna and these other two, what, I can't remember the names now. Ward was one of them. Wasn't Ward it? and Krios or Kiros. Krios. Krios. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you're going through the forest and their uniform and stuff. And he goes into the bar where he watches, uh, where he listens to the, to what was her name? I can't think. The, the girl yeah, but I, yeah. yeah, and he's really into her, like, and he's so nervous that he can't even, his legs go, like, numb when he's around her, like, you know, and it's just, it's so sweet, like, you know, that he's just this really kind of innocent, like, you know, kind of doofus, you know, but, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, but um, while we were saying that, I looked it up here quickly. Radio interference is a phenomenon in Final Fantasy VIII that has made the use of radio waves nearly obsolete by the time of the game start. Almost all communications were shut down because of noise across the frequencies. At the time, it was believed to have been related to the moon, but details are unknown. Although some countries uh, were able to communicate via underground HD cables, many of these cables are cut off by monsters. Um, due to this, many countries are left without power, a proper means of communicating, which means a student of BAM um, must use Chocobo's messengers or be done online. So there is some kind of communication things going on here that was apparently jammed by uh, Adele. There was a, there's also a weird thing of like they have to stop the radio waves from 
yeah Adele who's lost in space so that she can't contact people and then there's a thing called the moon's tear where loads of monsters fall from the moon onto yeah the moon. that was cool yeah yeah, yeah. they fall on that cut scene yeah yeah it, it this game looked so cool it had a lot it of did. um and a really cool designs all over the place i remember at the you know at the start of your first mission where you're fighting the giant mechanical spider yeah and you have a timer and you have to run away. Like, I always love the option of being able to actually kill him. Like, yeah. you can actually beat, like, you know, you thought, oh, I just run every time. But like at the last time, you can actually beat him. And, yeah. you know, I just love little things thrown in, in a game like that, you know. Do you know, if you're going to play this game again, I feel like you are. Because I think, I think, I can see in your eyes you want to play it. <laughs> Definitely. If you uh, beat him basically every stage, and if you know how to play the game, you know, he's weak to lightning if you can manage to get yourself a couple of Tundagas or whatever, you can put that onto your sword and just keep hitting them with your limb break again and again. Um, if you, every time you fight him and you beat him down, you need to like really, really beat him down, not just knock him. Yeah, yeah. You get like 50 AP, so you can basically max out all the sums that you have at that point. Yeah. Um, I've seen a thing where like a speed run, runner tries to do the game. Yeah, I think he does the whole game like eight hours or something, which wow. is huge just flies through it and basically he never goes up a level throughout it he kind of stays <laughs> and runs away from every battle but like he <laughs> overpowered just by doing that but i find that one, uh, boss at every stage wow where's the fun in that seriously it's its own challenge i don't i'm not into it, but whatever I, their own <laughs> I, I understand it for like a crash bandicoot game or something but like a final fantasy like a role-playing game like this you know what I mean? It's all about like the story and like, you know, like tactical elements. It's not, not to be like flown through like that. But anyway. It, it, but I mean, talking about tactics, the, the understanding that these guys have of this game to know they can go in and they can like take out somebody and you're like, like you're going to die. Like, like, you know, I remember struggling and I was 20 levels higher than them. They're going to die. And they never do. And you're like, right, okay. They just, they know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an art form. I yeah. guess not for this game though, yeah. but um, this was also the first game I believe. Now correct me if I'm wrong to have a real kind of song in it that the person sang in Eyes on Me, and it also became a real hit in in the real world. I remember it was a pretty big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fei Wong, I, Eyes on Me, absolutely beautiful song. Yeah. Love it on my mix uh, when I used to be walking to work, and when I come on, I tell you, I get a little emotional. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the music, let's get into it. Oh, okay, okay, grand. So um, this music was done by my boy before he was found out as being a faker, and Nobuo Umatsu. Now I'm joking, Nobuo. I know, I know you're the real deal. Well, you were back then, anyway. Um, disgraceful, disgraceful. So <clears throat> if people remember this, um, this game had for so for the first song, I always forget how to pronounce it. Liberty Fatale, I think, uh, had a real orchestra and people singing on it, and so did the ending song in this game. Um, and so I have a, a couple of quotes from Nobuo um, Uematsu. He said, "Emotions that are easy, um, emotions that are easy to express through music, are for me like a peaceful feeling. When it comes to making aggressive music, if I told you, then I will because it's my job. But I'm not that keen on making battle music. I prefer to write love themes or magnificent main theme, that kind of music. I think you can kind of see that with him because. But having said that, I think he does fight music and upbeat music." 
really, really, really well. Yeah. So, you know, but if you look at his like solo career and the stuff that he released kind of just by himself, it, I, I don't really like it. It's too, it, I don't know, it's missing something. I, I, and I was into his music, like, you know, yeah. side music. He's big into Celtic music, by the way. Is he? Yeah. Baron, like, re- fiddles. Well, yeah, just, yeah, fiddles, yeah, basically. Uh-huh. Yeah, but, um, and here's another comment for him. And so someone asked him, what are you most proud of looking back? He said, well, what I'm proud of, I haven't thought about it, so it's a little, little difficult to say, uh, but what I was conscious of, ma- of when making music 27 years ago hasn't changed now. What that is exactly is harmony, using several sounds to create harmony. Well, there are various sounds that are mixed to create a single sound. What I always think is that there are kinds of peop- there are many kinds of people, people with different personalities, different interests, different religions and languages. Countries differ and nationalities differ, and there are many variations. If all those people got together, is there any way they could create a harmony? I thought about that 27 years ago, and I still think about it now. Um, and I'm conscious of it when I work. I feel really happy myself that I've been able to keep that awareness with me over those 27 years. For example, it could have happened that I ended up somewhere making a certain kind of music for the sake of money, but I didn't want that. I want to keep uh, keep on trying to create harmony with various different kinds of music. If everyone could have that awareness, maybe worldwide harmony on earth could be possible. Uh, it may be a bit, a bit naive of me, but through music, I wish for this and try to express it. Wow, so, all right, quite deep thoughts. Yeah, very interesting philosophy with music. Um, but, you know, music is an amazing thing. It moves people. So, you know, we, we won't discount him. But yeah. um, now I should say that um, it was extremely hard for me to limit the songs on this. So I'm going to leave out songs that I absolutely love mm-hmm. uh, for the sake of like kind of more big name ones. Um, but this, if someone, if you can get your hands on this soundtrack, guys, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. It's beautiful. There's a, a remastered, um, version of a couple of songs, uh, I think about 15, 20 songs called Fitos Luzek, you know, whatever, Fitos Vinosek, that's what it's called. And it's remastered versions of the song. Um, it's like the official kind of one. Um, and it's really, really, really good. So I, I recommend people pick that up. But the ones that I've, I have today are not the, the remastered versions. They're just the, the old school ones. So the um, first song that I have is a Liberi Fatali. So we play a bit of this now. hell what's um what's the thing called was it choreographed swimming or what you know the olympics they do the event yeah i don't know the name of it 
And then you know where they look mental because they like wear mad makeup on their face and they pull really exaggerated facial expressions while they do it. Um, yeah. the American um, swim team did a choreographed dance to this song. Wow, yeah, that's yeah. awesome! Brilliant. It's just like, and yeah. the, the, you know, you can hear the speed of it and the energy in it. They're like flicking their legs up to the speed of it. It's just crazy impressive. I think they got a bronze. Nah. Deserve gold just for I the song. Synchronized song. Okay. Um, so the second one um is, actually that's Nobuo Matsu's dream coming true. People moving in sim and you know, synchronicity and harmony. Yes. Surely synchronized swimming is just another form of battle. Exactly. And it will unite the world one day. Okay, so Balam Garden song next, everyone remembers this. song it's um that kind of gives me the feeling of the early part of this game of it just feels like a lovely place to be this game yeah there's yeah. not it doesn't have that darkness that um we were saying Final Fantasy 7 has which i love yeah but yeah. You know, it's got just being there and it seems so cool especially when you're younger just being of these college or university kids who are just hanging out and that's the place you can be you know it's free time and your classes involve going and getting super powerful summons and everything yeah <laughs> and fighting t- t-rexes in 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 the garden yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love that what is this game <laughs> yeah and it looked the t-rex looked amazing you know yeah you know, just for a normal enemy and okay so the next one is force your way just if anyone's interested this is a great song to have in your workout remix it's on mine so here we go Properly iconic. Yeah, thank you, Nobuo. Um, yeah, so the next one is Compression of Time. I really like this. I don't know why.
very hard for me to stop that. I love how that builds really slowly. I didn't uh, expect that to be on this list. Uh, not that it's yeah. a great song, uh, but I didn't think it would have been one of your favourites. I should have guessed, because it's the song which sounds most like ducks quacking. <laughs> I love the fact that it has that going as a constant, but then there's so much changing in the background. You have like ahs and oohs, and like it builds like regardless of that yeah bit of music playing you know um and it's uh, kind of like two different pieces of music at the same time it has like the the weird eeriness of time being compressed and that uh, 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 and then also this kind of ambient um progressive kind of you know music in the background that's kind of leading you to something bigger almost you know yeah yeah there's, um, there's an eeriness in the air with it yeah, but like I said, I could have put, I honestly, it was very, very hard for me to put this down to six songs. Um, I wanted to put way more. Um, so I just thought that was an interesting one, but I really like it. I like Lunatic Pandora as well, but I didn't put that on. Um, so the next one is a Legendary Beast. I really like the breakdown of this song, so I, I put this on. Really I think um, I think also the reason why I probably like this music more than Seven which is you know I tend to like Seven more but the quality of, of the sound the music is so much better than Seven mm. you know Seven's like this little MIDI keyboard you know but this is like you know it re- really sounds like real real instruments you know yeah. it's, um, it, it adds that bigger orchestral sound throughout the whole thing which um, it just it adds that kind of feeling of realism that they're allowed to do with this game uh, which is just we're saying they they all knew the technology way better yeah yeah so i had to choose this as the last song which was eyes on me Um if anyone wants me to do a final fancy music podcast i'd be happy to do that so you know hit me up let me know and um, but this is eyes on me by fei wong Be 
Lovely song, isn't it? It's really good, yeah. And it, it does have that, like they wanted that more grown-up sort of feel with this game. And it does have that because, it, it, you know, this is the first time I remember playing a game which had that, because that sort of feeling of just, this is just somebody singing to me rather than they had, the only vocals in Final Fantasy VII was um, One Winged Angel, which is just background operatic, whereas this, if you heard this on the radio and you didn't know, you would just think, okay, yeah, it's just a song, which is, just that, that level of going, games are more than this small thing. And yeah. that's what these Final Fantasy games did because they sold out and they changed people's minds of what games were. Yeah, and this this was also, as I said, like a successful single in the real world as well. So Fei Wang is a Chinese singer, yeah. um, but it got to number nine in, in the Japanese charts as well, single charts, which yeah. back then would have been physical sales. You know, there was no Spotify or, or MP3s or anything like that. Yeah. So that's a, that's a pretty big deal. But I love like the lyrics in this song, you know, because it's, it's like, you know, because you, know, you just conjure up these images of Laguna and um, I should remember her name. It's terrible, I don't remember her name, in the bar. And she's singing and like, it's like, um, I kind of liked your way, how you shyly placed your eyes on me. But did you ever know that I had mine on you? You know, it's just really sweet, like, you know, and like, you know, this this love, kind of this romance that they're sharing. Um, you know, I just think it's, yeah, the love in this game, like the love story, the love themes are just really, really well done and mature and like, you know, really sweet. Yeah, it's, it is. Um, this means that you, d- you don't have my favorite Final Fantasy VIII song on your list, though. What is it? Breezy. Nah, I thought that was a bit two-dimensional to put it on. I love that song. It is one of the first songs I ever learned to play on guitar. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty It's pretty easy to learn, to be honest. Yeah. Um, do you know what? I actually... Did I... I actually did download that song. I can quickly put it on a hotkey if you want to listen to it now. <laughs> uh, no, but I'll put it on at the end. Okay, okay. okay. To me. So if you want to hear... My favorite song. Wait for the end of this podcast, or you can just type in "breezy" into YouTube. <laughs> exactly, um, and you can hear guitar go. Du, 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 du. <laughs> now you're full of shit because there's like a ten-hour like remix of it. Because clearly, people will hear that song. So, there's ten hours of everything on there, YouTube. There is the ten-hour epic sax guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and the fish man. God. Um, yeah. But anyway, I actually, actually love that song. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of that, I should have done this before. I'm so annoyed that anything I said <laughs> led you on to remember that. Have you uh, heard that full song? Yeah, I looked at the video, yeah. <laughs> it's marvellous, isn't it? It's right. <laughs> no, way like buying, no way am I buying fish off that guy. I've never seen someone so enthusiastic to sell one pound fish. So he deserves everything he gets. Oh. God bless you, fish man. Okay. So we're going to move on to the most important part of the show, unless you have anything else to add? Uh, no. Um, I was just looking at some of the reviews for this game. So, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I forgot about that. Hold on. Yeah, go on, hit us. I have some too. Go on. Uh, I think not for just kind of negative ones. Uh, oh, yeah, go on. But just that some people 
Like this game, some people love it more than Final Fantasy VII. I don't, but I understand why they, they think that. It is a brilliant game. Weirdly, didn't really rate that well by some organizations, particularly on PC. Um, mm. So I think like IGN gave it like 7.4 out of 10. Forget um, about IGN. <laughs> Forget about them. A different place called CGW gave it 2, two out of 5 on PC. Yeah, um, IGN gave The Last of Us 2 10 out of 10, so... <laughs> Well, a lot of places gave last of us. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Anyway, uh, GameSpot uh, gave it 6.7 out of 10. So it is quite weird. A lot of places they weren't that mad on. And then also on more recent consoles, on the PlayStation 4, it got like 80 out of 100 and everything. I don't know if you're looking back at that and you're thinking, what's the kind of story here? Um, is it a bit outdated or whatever? But um, I think it's great. I think it's really good to play. The only reason I've stopped playing the one I was playing there because I got some new games coming in and I got to the point of where it started going a little bit mad with the storyline and I just I've done it so many times before um, I wanted to play something new but I loved every bit of the side story the battle system the whole drawing system I think it's a class game all the way through they're recently are going to release some physical copies for Switch they announced that really recently so if you haven't played this game I highly recommend it yeah, and we should say that the remaster, the it, it, remaster has actually remastered character sprites in this, so they look yeah. much better than they did in the original. Yeah, it looks better. And if you've ever seen people, I I, I know some can be a bit buggy, but um, if you have um, if you've got a Steam account and you play games on Steam, Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy VIII, if you look on YouTube, there's loads of people who have guides about how they use their um, their kind of fan made remasters and, and mods, and some of them look absolutely brilliant. Wow, okay, yeah. yeah. I'd love a remaster of this game. Not the Final Fantasy VII remake, like the Final Fantasy VIII remake that's actually like Final Fantasy VIII. That'd be great. Like just a skin, basically, you want. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, the remaster's, so, the remaster's kind of like, it's as much as they can push over what they have without recreating. Yeah, that. but it didn't remaster the music for for that, apparently. Oh, really? All right. Mm. No. But, um, yeah, they, like you said, a lot of people did write this game badly, and I don't understand it. Anyway because um, it's 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 an amazing game i love it absolutely love it this is me this game is just me you know but anyway okay so a couple of bad reviews um number one comes from hongo san uh sounds like a fake japanese name i don't think it's really japanese but anyway yeah. september 11th uh, 2014 how is this rated so highly it befuddles me it's worst I, can i just say sorry before i go on usually when i read this re- these reviews i find them funny but they actually, I love this game so much, they actually pissed me off when I was, <laughs> when I was getting them. I was like, what the f- fuck off? I hear that's completely wrong. Anyway, I'll read them begrudgingly. Um, it befuddles me. It's the worst console or handheld FF game by far, capital F. Let's get one thing right. <laughs> I like powering up in RPGs. <laughs> Who's he talking to? Let's get one thing right. I like powering up in RPGs like most players do. And this robs me of that. It punishes you for leveling up brackets. That, 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 that bad RPG. I have play game with odd leveling systems, but this is one of the worst. And the magic system is the worst in any RPS I've ever played, since you cannot use the powerful magic. I do not like party-based RPG that disallow mages in your party. I'm sorry, this is a bad mark on the game. This has the worst side quest in Final Fantasy history, triple triad, just hateful. Hateful, <laughs> exactly. 
Triple Triad is amazing. I love Triple I wish Triple Triad. I would pay for like a mobile version of just Triple Triad where so it's right. randomly like refreshed. I could play different people. I would just, I would love that so much. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. The Retro Gamer. This game was just awful. Final Fantasy VII may be a pretty bad game. Okay. But it's Ocarina of Time compared to this one. <laughs> so obviously he rates Ocarina of Time. Oh, okay. I don't understand. <laughs> Sucks that I hate this one more than Final Fantasy thirteen, where Seven had potential and blew it. This one had no potential at all and it's just a piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bullshit. Okay, so uh, Mr. Ian L. Elton Wall reviewed this game for the United Kingdom. What is all the fuss about? The Final Fantasy games, up to nine at least, which I've not played and have no intention of playing, are rubbish and have no feel at all. For the original concept from where good swords and sorcery RPG involved, i.e. Dungeons and Dragons, Final Fantasy VIII combines some stupid, cuddly monsters and enemies that are not scary at all. What a lousy combat system that is all ridiculous coloured magical effects and no skill with no movement. Travel concept, which is an absolute rubbish and is not consistent with the rest of the game. The plus side of Final Fantasy VIII over the awful Final Fantasy VII is that the characters look better and graphics are okay, but for God's sake, for God's sake, check out Vagrant's story. <laughs> <laughs> or Baldur's Gate in the PC. Unless you're under 10, of course. <laughs> um, what's the, the travel concept, you just, you just move around. Like you, there's no gimmick to it. Maybe the car he's talking about, I don't know. Okay, it's a bit weird. I, I think, um, particularly the first one you read out, you can just tell when somebody, like, as... Uh, he just like lost a boss fight or something and he doesn't understand why and you know that's the reason why somebody doesn't like a game is because it's just like this is shit because i tried to fight this person and it didn't work and zero out of ten right yeah but like vagrant story is a completely different genre of game than this yeah it's completely yeah. different anyway last one mark twain final fantasy 8 is quite a good <laughs> rpg <laughs> ah thank you mr twain yeah Final Fantasy VIII is quite a good RPG. Now it's far from perfect. Actually, he's rated at one out of five. But anyway, I don't know why. Final Fantasy VIII is quite a good RPG. Now it's far from perfect. It run on PlayStation One, so we cannot call it the latest game. And what? to sell it for, f- when did this person review this? Two thousand and eight. Okay, right. So nine years after it came out. Yeah, uh, and to sell it for fifty quid when I got my quid is Q no K W I D when I got mine for seven, eight years ago, and probably not even knew if that's not a rip-off in the name of pseudo-collection or because it's a classic, I'm sure you'll get a better game with better value. Final Fantasy X, at least it got voice. Far better. Final Fantasy VIII got no voice, no proper pause. <laughs> at that time, there was Legend of Dragoon, Ark the Lad 3, and Chrono Cross, which are far better with voices and interesting gameplay. But if you play RPG for animation of the game, Final Fantasy VIII is still one of the best. But don't spend 50 quid. You but he gives it one out of five. You can pause this game. Well, Mark Twain says you can, so he must be right. <laughs> okay. Okay, so. God, clowns. <laughs> yeah. Are we getting to the quiz? Yes, I'm ready. your might you know what's not cool hell (laughs) (laughs) okay 
Question number one. <clears throat> what is the minimum amount of tonberries you need to kill for the tonberry king to appear? 30. Oh, 20. shit. I did this like a month ago. Between 20 and 50. Uh, question number two. Who holds the Squall Triple Triad card? Laguna. Yes. That was kind of an easy one, wasn't it? I, I wouldn't know, but once again, I didn't do this recently. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Okay, question number three. According to Tetsuya Namura, Squall's appearance was heavily based on which Hollywood actor? So I've heard a lot of mixed things about this. Oh, it's, it's not like Kurt Russell or something. Give you a clue. His uh, brother recently named his child after him. Uh, River Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you can see that as well. Well, I mean, they say that, but then, like, it's also meant to be based off a Japanese model who's the image of him. So, really? Yeah. Did you never see it? No. I'll see if I can find it. But it, there is just he doesn't like, look Japanese, though, Squall. I think that's because the graphics doesn't really allow it. Do you remember like in Final Fantasy X, we were like, wait a minute, all these characters are meant to be a little bit Japanese looking. Yeah. <laughs> True. Um, okay, so I have another one here on the fly. You might not know this, but if you remember Fitos, uh, Luzek, Vikos, Vinosek, as, as the kind of chant goes uh, in, in, in the game, what is it an anagram for? Oh, God, I saw this. Uh, is it eyes on me? What? Do you know how many letters? Ugh. No, success, succession of witches. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Okay, now time for... You'll receive a nice bonus when the work is done. Now, as you know, the rules. You win yes. everything if you win this. So, question about South Korea. Not. What is the average lifespan of a mallard? A duck? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely no idea. Seven years. <laughs> no, it's ten years, I'm afraid. Ten no, years. Look. God. I have a question for you, you shit. Ah, no. Who do you know who voiced Squall in Kingdom Hearts? Do I know who voiced him? Yeah. It's not that... Egypt, <laughs> what's his name? Who voices every game character ever? No, he is. He was part of a show that you were a fan of. Keenan Rockmore. <laughs> <laughs> Keenan Zell. <Zanel! laughs> exactly. <laughs> No, not Keenan Rockmore, which isn't his real name. The name of his character. Keenan Thompson. Uh, David Boreanaz. Who? Angel from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I wasn't a fan of that. I was a fan of uh, Buffy like everyone was back in the day because everyone loved Sarah Michelle Gellar. But Angel was in... The Angel show. Angel was in Buffy for years, though. Yeah, but he had his own uh, series then called Angel. Yeah, I know. I remember. But he was still in Buffy. But no, that's impressive. Yeah, okay. 
that's mad yeah i didn't know that and unrelated sephiroth was voiced by lance bass or lance bass who is from nsync i remember being a kid oh. you can't have an nsync guy it's like, he's got a great voice it's fine <laughs> like yeah which one is he what does he look like he's not the blonde guy is he no he's got like uh he's got dark hair I think he's got like oh a- yeah there's a huge guy in that band as well it's probably it, him it's him yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Good man, Lance. Um, coming up to Halloween, we have NSYNC, song, NSYNC songs all over the uh, the TV. I heard it the other day. Yeah, yeah. It's a great yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. It is a good song, to be honest. Great but um, listen, we want to thank everyone for listening. Um, we thank, we appreciate every single listener from whichever country you listen from. Nice. We're going to give a shout out to our Dutch listeners, our German listeners, our American listeners, our Irish listeners. We love all of you equally. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know what we're going to do next week but um, thank you for listening if you have any questions Yusuf you want to hit them with the email address press the action button pod at gmail.com yes please and if anyone has any more audios questions like um, JS Perry had earlier today um, you know send them in and you will get airtime you will get airtime on this show I will so. read anything out <laughs> yeah exactly I'll read anything out so you know send it in <laughs> You know, you want to advertise, you know, scones you're making or something, you know, I, I, we can do that for you. Okay. <laughs> if you have a really specific request and you want to target uh, gaming fans from across the globe. <laughs> Can't beat a good scone. Right. And it's okay. scone, not scone. Yeah, yeah, I don't get that. I, I, it is scone. I think people from Northern Ireland call it scone. People in the UK call it scone as well. Ugh, they also call yogurt yogurt, which makes no sense. Yeah. Anyway, uh, thank you very much and uh, we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.